Amen. Good morning. And we are glad that you are worshiping with us today. Tell them something to say hello. I just heard that phone. Hey, uh, what were they thinking? Well, you know, today, the agony of the cross. Um, I'm really proud of our church this week. I think it was one of the most powerful depictions I've ever seen in my life as we started preparing for this weekend celebration weeks ago, but on Thursday in a powerful way uh, with Jesus and the thieves and the characters there at the cross and an incredible breakfast yesterday. And then we launched in to this morning celebration, the agony of the cross and an edible result of the conflict between heaven and hell. Turn to the back of your worship guide and you can start filling in places for notes there. But uh, this conflict was so apparent and so real and so passionate. And uh, Christ does emerge victorious. Um, Jesus even begged to bypass it as we looked at in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, a few weeks ago or last weekend. And uh, But I'm glad he didn't bypass it. He overcame it. He uh, was victorious. And and yet, because of this depth of the Savior's love, Christ calls you and I today, in 2009, to follow Him and to follow Him hard. The last line in that box just goes, The way of the cross leads to victory. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads to heaven. The way of the cross leads to eternal life in Jesus Christ. All that will put their faith in Him. All. Not some, but all that put their faith. You know, there's a, a trade that uh, we don't really like. They're called uh, actuary tables and actuaries. I've got a good friend in here. His name's Ben. He wants to be an actuary. And I'm glad people do that. And they, they figure out our rates and they computate all these formulas. And we know what rates we should pay at our insurance and that kind of thing. And uh, so I'm kind of into that. And then understanding the gambling industry, I'm not into that. But they understand they have... Uh, they, they figure, what are the odds that you're going to win at the casinos and all this? So there's a science to that, they say. And, and then there's another one that I am into, but I'm not into what they do. They're called stockbrokers, and they're into odds. <laughs> and they haven't done very well this past year. But I was reading this thing. I thought it was interesting. Uh, these actuary tables, they talked about if you own a Corvette, you are 38 times more likely to get your car stolen than if you own a Ford Escort. Think about that for a minute. Remember those little escorts? But I really date myself from the 70s. Uh, if you own a Ford Pinto, it's mathematically impossible to have your car stolen. <laughs> you can have it full of gas, keys in the ignition, running, and it's there. I remember in the 70s, I was talking to my dad about a car, and they had come out, and my dad said, hey, what are you talking about a Pinto? And I just looked at it. I said, me? You're going to kill my image. I had a lot of hair, had a lot of pride. And Pinto wasn't going to help the boy. You know what I'm saying? He said, we got a really good deal. I said, well, let's just keep looking for another good deal. We don't need no Pinto. And then several years later, they found out Pintos were horrible. They were a rotting bomb. If you got it from the back, they exploded. Well, I was thinking it was a bomb just to look at. I thought it was going to bomb my image. But anyway. And then I read another statistic about odds that you are 10 times more likely to get injured riding a bike than driving in a car. Ask Mac Lauer of the Today Show. He'll tell you about that. So there's all these odds out there, you know. And, and ultimately, uh, the odds maker in Jesus' day, they had the odds out. He's going to rise from the dead? He's going to be dead? And he's going to come from the grave? Don't think so. Oh, yes, a victorious king. He would come back from the grave 
Listen to the words of the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, the 11th verse. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit, which lives in you. The Spirit of Jesus lives in those that trust and abide in Christ. The Spirit of the One that rose for us when it says, I will rise. If you're in Christ, you will rise. Punctuation mark. Amen? I mean, man, that is awesome news. Exclamation, baby. Let's celebrate. He's not held back. He's not dead. And that same power that raised Jesus from the dead over 2,000 years ago is available right now in the living room to any that will trust. So this long shot, man, he beat the odds. Do you feel like the odds are stacked against you this morning? Do you feel like, man, there's no way. I just cannot do that subject. I'm not going to pass. I'm not going to graduate. Hey, I don't know if I'm going to have another sale. I don't know if I'm financially going to be ruined or what. I just don't believe we're going to happen. It's going to happen for me. Hey, I'm sick. The doctor said there's no cure. There's no way. Let me tell you, there's one you need to cry out to. His name is Jesus. He's the one we want to put our hope in. And all along the road of the Gospels, we see these long shots. And Christ is right in the center of it. Let's talk about defying the odds this morning. If you've got a copy of the Scriptures, open your Bibles to the 15th chapter of Mark. I love to read the Gospels. I read them throughout the year. But every Easter time, I spend a lot of time perusing, studying, reading. God, maybe there could be a phrase. Maybe there could be a word. Maybe there could be something I've never seen because this word is living and dynamic. God, jump off the page. God, give me life in Jesus' name. So I read the accounts from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to do. I encourage you to do it every Easter season. You say, well, I've already read it. Well, it's still new. It's still alive. And as I was reading this week, look down in Mark 15, starting in verse 12. What shall I do then with the one who you call the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and he handed him over to be crucified. Now, you ever thought about it? Nobody names their kids Barabbas for a good reason. I don't encourage you to defy the odds now and go, I'm going to name my kid Barabbas. That's crazy. But we're going to pick up in this section. This is the climax of redemptive history for mankind. The death, the burial, and the blessed resurrection of Jesus. Now, Pilate could not afford another Jewish riot on his hand. If you read Tactius and Josephus and church historians, extra-biblical literature, there's a lot more that we don't find in the canonization of Scripture. But as you read about that day and the, the climate of the day and, and, the, and the kingdoms that would fall, Pilate was worried that his kingdom would fall short. It would come to an end. It came to an end in only three more years anyway, so he did not have this long, successful reign in the kingdom like some thought. But Pilate is stuck somewhere between a rock and a hard place, between Jesus and the crowd. He didn't want to crucify Jesus. I mean, he's like, I can't find any reason to charge him. But he appealed to the crowd. He compromised. And then what did he do? They tell us that he placed his body there for the scourging because he thought, if I just let them scourge and mock and insult and beat the fool out of Jesus... Maybe they'll forget this crucifixion mess. Up to this time, there were 30,000 people had been crucified in the Roman culture. 
they had this perfected. It was a, a science to them, if you will. So they go, we're going to do it. So they put Jesus at a pole, stripped naked, and they beat him. But here's what happened. I've got to talk about the cross before I can get to the resurrection. I'm not showing any videos on this. I've got a powerful video. You'll see it at the end. But let me tell you, I know we have kids in here, but you've got to hear this. Your kids need to hear the excruciating elements and the love of their Savior. One soldier would stand on this side, and one soldier would stand on this side. And they would take that leather rod or that leather strip that had metal and bone in it, and they would just bruise it right into the skin of Jesus as his back was wrapped around that pole ever so tight. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I mean, man, they would just tear. And every time, skin would rip and blood would flow. Tell about passion. That was discouraging. They tell us that only six out of ten men ever made it through the scourging process, nevertheless, the crucifixion. So the next time somebody tells you Jesus was weak, you remind them of the cross. Amen? He was passionate. He was powerful. But he takes that, and then he is led down the road to Golgotha. Now, there's a lot of debate about, did he carry the full cross? Did he carry the upper beam of the cross and the cross weighed? Of all the studies I've read, somewhere between 200 and 300 pounds. But he carries this. And this is after his body. I mean, if you've ever had just a little blood loss, you feel a little anemic and a little puny. I mean, man, he was beat to a pulp. His face swollen, probably unrecognizable. And he carries the cross. This is one horrific, terrible event. Physical shock to your system. Blood loss. And what do they yell? Crucify him. And they yell louder. Crucify him. And he buys in to their demands. So point one is the crowd demanded that Jesus be crucified. Let's look at point two. The flogging for our transgressions was not fair, but then life isn't. Jesus died in the place of a man condemned to die. And that's our story. Here it is. They, they couldn't find a charge against him, but they just decided, hey, he doesn't deserve to die. And in Galatians, it says that he became a curse for our sin. He took on our sin that we wouldn't have to. And you're talking about love. You're talking about us on his mind. You, you're talking about our story. We deserve to be there with that brutal beating, but we weren't. In Mark 15, 17, they put a purple robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and they set it on him. In our dramatization of the cross, we had this crown of thorns on Jesus. I have to be careful holding it because these thorns are wicked. Remember the first time I ever saw a crown, I remembered a pyracanther bush when I was growing up. We used to play football in my yard, in my neighbor's yard. He had a pyracanther bush. When you weren't doing what I thought you would do, I'd give you a little push in the pyracanther bush. Football game over. I didn't know Jesus. Give me a little grace, okay? And they weren't this long. And you see, I just described to you the beating, the scourging, the mocking, the ins uh, insulting humiliation of Jesus. And if that wasn't enough, they took this crown and they put it on his head and twisted it. Just more pain for the king. So today, before we rush to the joy and the glory 
of the resurrection. And that's where our faith is all based because without the resurrection, pity the man. I just wanted us to see a little more of it. It's a powerful story. Let's continue. So they, they hit him. They spit on him. They fisted him. They, they pushed into him. Beatings, profuse bleeding. And then let's read some more. In verse 21, a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by his way and from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Simon had his boys with him. Think about how much your boys mean to you. And you're walking, you're doing your thing, and then they force you to carry the cross of the Savior, and your boys had to watch. Not a very pleasant job to look at this bloody, pulpy Jesus. Oh, they'd heard the story about the Savior. He was the King of the Jews. They, they'd heard about the miracle worker, the, the Word. That's why there was such a riot, because they didn't want this king. He just came right against the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees of the day. Comes against our day, too. And what would they do in execution? They wouldn't do it inside the city. They'd let them outside the city of Jerusalem to execute them. But it was a public mockery that all could see. You don't oppose Rome. You don't come against Rome, baby. If you do, we'll do this to you. And the Bible says he opened not his mouth. Matter of fact, hold on a minute. First Peter. You get a little bonus. I didn't get this last service. First Peter chapter 2. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Just a side margin, because I'm preaching on resurrection, and maybe you just come for resurrection Sundays. You're like, you tell the same story in a way every year because it's the focal point of our study. But here's the thing. The next time you're humiliated, the next time you're picked on, don't retaliate. Let Jesus vindicate you. Amen? That's hard. I, I've been in a situation or two where I wanted to speak, and I'm a preacher. I'm verbose, loquacious one, talkative one. And the church said, I don't usually have an absence of words. And when my character gets attacked, I, I remember one time I got attacked, and God said, keep your mouth shut, son. And I'll vindicate you. And my God did. He'll vindicate you. Let's move on. That was just bonus because y'all came to this service. Here we go. 1526. The written notice of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews. Here it is. In three languages they, they would put this. And this was just to be more humiliation, just more mockery. But they didn't realize that this was going to generate even some more sympathy for the God-man, for Jesus Christ. The cross... The nails were squared off at the end, and they were some six to nine inches in length. Wow, you're talking about wicked. And around World War II, the Germans decided to bring back some of this torture of crucifixion. It wasn't like it wasn't enough in the Roman world, so they brought it back. And in some of those studies, they found out that after 80 pounds, your body physically cannot hold up to the weight of crucifixion that your skin would rip. So everybody says, the nail-scarred hands, they must have been in his hands. No way. He'd have just fallen off. But you see, in the Greek, hands means fingertips to elbow. That's hand. And they were probably driven right here in the bone. And then if that wasn't enough, they, they twisted his torso as they drove the nails through the bone or through the heel of his feet. 
Man, you go, Keith, why do you have to tell us that detail? Because I want you to remember a passionate Savior when you leave here today. That's crazy about you. He said, if the Son of Man be lifted up, and he was lifted up from the earth, I'll draw what? All men unto myself. Point three. When the world turns against you, heaven turns towards you. My God, my God, hummus about thee. Why have you forsaken me, God? Because I can't look on sin, on sin, son. But heaven turned toward Christ. And have you thought about this? His mom was there. His mom was there. The humanity of Jesus. She had to watch her boy hurt and suffer and die. We just forget about that. In Mark 15, 38, let's move down. It moves right before in 37 with a loud cry. Jesus breathed his last, his last breath. And then in 38, the curtain of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. Hallelujah. The curtain was ripped. The Holy of Holies could now be entered through the precious, through the ultimate, through the high priest, the Lamb of God. We begin to come in and God says, the barrier of sin is now forever removed because of this death once and for all. But in 59, or 39, look at this. I love this passage. And when the satyron who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely... This man was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. He was the Savior of the world. So we see this powerful demonstration. And then let's move to point four. The cross revealed death and payment for our sins or for sinful humanity. It was an instrument of torture and humiliation that proved to be, keyword, circle it, bridge to the Father. Circle that word bridge. When you leave here today, you're going to see the word bridge different maybe than you've ever seen it. Bridge. He bridges a way to holy God. Here it is. Holiness. Righteousness. Purity on this hand. Evil. Wickedness. Us on this hand. Holiness. Evil. They collided. But that's not the end. Holiness was triumphant at the cross because of the empty tomb. I love it today because, see, the tomb is empty and the throne's occupied, church. There's no reason for anybody else to get on the throne. The king reigns there, the line of Judah. Holiness versus evil, remember that. Our very first Easter here, 13 years ago, this is 13 Easter services now from Christ's community. I remember I proclaimed Easter with everything I had that morning. And I remember I had read this thing from Tony Campolo I'd gathered years before. Tony's a sociologist, professor, teacher, writer from St. David's Pennsylvania Eastern College. And I shared this, and I'm going to share with you to listen to it. It's Friday, but Sundays are coming. It was Friday when Jesus was nailed there on the cross, but Sundays are coming. It's Friday, Mary is crying her eyes out because the baby Jesus is dead. But Sundays are coming. It's Friday, the disciples are turning in every direction like sheep without a shepherd. But Sundays are coming. Oh, it's Friday, Pilate is strutting around washing his hand because he thinks he has all the power in the victory. But Sundays are coming. It's Friday, the people are saying these things have been so and they shall always be. You can't change anything in this world, but Sundays are coming. It's Friday, Satan's doing a little jig, saying, I'm in control of the whole world. But Sundays are coming. It's Friday, and the temple belt ripped from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. The tombs opened. 
The Saturon screamed in fear. Truly, he was the son of God. Sundays are coming. It's Sunday. The angel, like dazzling lightning, rolled the stone away, exclaiming, He is not here. He is risen. It is Sunday. It is Sunday. It is Sunday. He's victorious for you and me. Amen? Can you put your hands together and just thank God for the lamb right there? He's worthy. That's right. Thank you, King Jesus. You overcame. Awesome victory. Passionate victory. Number five, the tomb looked like a dead end against all odds. Defying. But Jesus was what? His resurrection was a long shot. But he came through just like he said he would. He promised and he delivered. Mary and Mary were there at the cross. We had them depicted out here on Thursday on the lawn. They bid farewell to Jesus, the one who gave them reason for hope. What can we do now? We've seen his miracles. We've heard his incredible teaching. We've received his love. But what can a dead man offer? I went back and reread part of the classic from Max Lucado this week. He still moves stones. A little section I'd missed. Why did the angel move the stone? We always ask that. We go, oh, for Jesus. Jesus didn't need any help to get out of that grave. Matter of fact, I believe he was already gone when, they got, when the angel did it. He, he had taken off. But listen to this. Why did he move the rock? Did God need help? No. He moved the rock because the women were going to run to the tomb. And because the rock had been moved, they peered, they peeked in, and they saw the empty tomb. That's the hope of Easter. What an awesome story. And you read these Gospels accounts and you see that they can look in. But look at number six. Death is no match for our king. Death can't contain him. Death can't hold him. Never has, never will. By the death of Christ, we're set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. That's what Ephesians 1, 7 says in the Good News translation. But in 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Oh, death! Where is thy sting? We get the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You go to a, a funeral. I call them resurrection services if you're in Christ. And there's victory. There, there's passion. There's power. There's hope. Hope that doesn't disappoint. You see, dead people don't usually set up, do they? Dead people don't usually enter into conversations. Dead people don't usually serve you. But you read the gospel. Jairus had a daughter and she died. Jesus showed up. Jesus got her up. He is the resurrection and the life. And then I love this one. In John 11, his name is Lazarus. He dies. He stinks. He's in the grave for four days. And Jesus shows up. Lazarus, come out. And it says in a louder voice, Lazarus, come out. And he did. Ten years ago, when I was there in the Holy Land, I remember walking in to Lazarus' tomb. It's empty. He is the God of the resurrection. When dead men talk, we ought to listen. When people get up, we ought to respond. Christ got up out of that grave on Sunday morning for you and me. He rose. This morning on the front lawn, lawn you, you see the crosses and you see the center cross, the Christ cross. And you see the white cloth, a symbol that his grave clothes 
He didn't need. He's a risen king, a victorious king. So he got out of the grave. This morning, I'm just wondering, there's something that I want to do right now. But I want to say this to you first. I did a study and it said that there's one birth every seven uh, seconds. But there's a death every 12 seconds. So that means we continue to populate the world and it continues to grow. And, and yet the Bible says that Christ died once and for all. Christ died for all. That means you and me. So fill in the last blank. Easter power is available for everyone if you want to move out of your stuck position. But you've got to take a step of faith. You just got to take a step. Maybe a little step, maybe a large step, but you got to take a step. You got to move toward Christ. Christ has already moved toward us. Now, what is that step that you need to take this morning? I don't know. Maybe it's to ask Jesus Christ into your life. Maybe it's to recommit your life to Christ. Maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe it's to pray. Maybe it is to feed the homeless. Maybe it's to give. Maybe it's to to pray. Maybe it's to go on a mission trip. I don't know, but we all have steps that we can take. But right now, I don't want you to move. Because for the next six minutes and 44 seconds, I know because we've timed it. I've been waiting to share this video for six months. Preachers do that. We gather all year and study. I heard this story 25 years ago. And when I saw it on film, I couldn't contain it. After the last service, I had more people said, I saw the gospel. Turn your eyes and your heart right now toward that screen and watch in faith and see if he's calling you to a step of faith. Let's watch together. That is the story of the gospel. On that train, you saw those people having a merry little party going about their life. And the father gave up his son. It's the story of Christ. The father had one son. And he gave him freely that we might live. How shall we escape such a great salvation as this if we neglect the son? After last service, Andrea came up to me. She goes, my dad told me that, little, that story as a little girl. She goes, as we got into it, I'd never seen it dramatized. I hadn't either until I got this video. Another man walked up to me and says, I'd never give my son. I'm sorry that he just had to die. That's the kind of heavenly papa we have in God. What a Savior, what a Christ. And friend, I'm not going to try to scare you right now, but we don't know if our last heartbeat is now or a few minutes from now. The other day we were down at Troy with Hannah and one of her good friends, a sorority sister, had just lost a friend. You might have seen it on the news. I did last week or week before. Young man, 19 years old, over here at Auburn, played football at Auburn High School. He was in the Jeep with his buddy and another car, and the driver made it, but he lost his life. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But in faith, you can know who holds the future, the Lord Jesus, the King. And I have been on my knees crying out, not sleeping for this service, believing that many of you need to change your eternal address today. You need to receive Christ as Savior, but as King. 
is Lord. So right now, over here on this side, what we do is, at the cross, there are men and women there to receive you, to pray over you. Would you bow your heads with me? This is the most important time of today's service of this week. Lord God, we thank you for Easter, and I pray right now you would give eyes to see, eyes of the heart. Take off the veil, Lord, may we see. I believe that Jesus died for my sin. And based on that, and on the third day, he rose for me. Forgive my sin and make me clean. Would you open your heart now and invite King Jesus to come and dwell in your life as Savior and take away your sin? He demands holiness. Ask him to wash you in his blood right now. Cleanse me, Savior. But would you be my Lord? Would you be the boss, the CEO? I give you the reins of my heart. I don't want to run my life anymore. I've made a mess of it. But King Jesus, you gave. I want to give back to you. I offer my life to you in faith. I receive you now, Jesus, as Savior and Lord. I believe in my heart that you died for me. And I confess you with my mouth. Jesus is Lord. With heads bowed. Would hands go up all across the living room if you just made that prayer? Raise your hands to the heavens. God bless you and God bless you. Raise them high. Raise them high. God bless you. God bless you. This is the hope of Easter. Christ came into the world to save lost sinners like you and me. That one day, He'll call my name and I'll rise again. Hallelujah. Open your eyes. Stand to your feet. And on this song right now is our closing benediction. Maybe some of you just need to make a visit over to the cross and have somebody pray with you and seal this decision. It's been our honor to worship with you this Easter celebration. Jesus Christ, the King of glory, gave it all. Will we live for him? God bless you. I hope you'll be back next weekend. It'd be great to have these crowds back next weekend. Would you agree, church? And starting a brand new series about fields of grace. I hope you'll bring a friend with you. 915 and 1045. Hey, come check us out. We talk about more than just the resurrection, but this is the crux of why we meet as a people. We're called an Easter people. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.